That's probably not about the market. These people in Indonesia don't feel, is it bear market or top market? What is Bitcoin price? They feel that has a problem with local currency today. And this problem don't change in the market. And it's what helps us to continue to build because we know that it's not speculation problem. It's real life. That was Peter Volnov, co-founder of the Here Wallet. I really enjoyed this conversation because Peter is a man on a mission. Here Wallet isn't just another wallet amongst a sea of wallets popping up everywhere. Rather, Peter Wallet is a means to an end. The one thing that really struck me about this conversation is Peter's and his team's clarity of vision. They're solving a real problem for a real group of people, and the wallet and your protocol are just a way of getting there. Throughout the conversation, we get a really good insight into the design process of some of the existing features, and with every layer that we keep deeper, Peter keeps impressing. There is some very spicy alpha there about upcoming features, including onboarding, on-ramping, off-ramping, and more. We also cover some of the contributions that the Here Wallet has done to the public goods, and towards the end, things do get a little bit heated around criticism of Pagoda and other entities in the ecosystem. I will let you enjoy this conversation and you can make up your own mind. Without further ado, I'll let you enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with Peter. Bye! Hello friends, welcome back to another episode of the Wild User Interviews podcast with me, AVB. Today, I have with me the mastermind behind Here Wallet. Welcome, Peter. Hi, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you for the first time. Now, we're being comedians. We actually met at the Hacker House in New York. Yeah, and then Austin as well in the summer. I am very memorable, clearly. I was not able to make it to the Austin one, but I, and I thought about going to the San Francisco one, which may actually be a good starting point to the conversation. As I research here, Wallet, it is impossible not to notice that you guys have attended, I think, every hacker house in the US and won every hacker house in the US. So maybe we can start there. Why don't you start telling us briefly about the Here Wallet and then the experience through hackathons? First, yeah, thank you for questions. Yes, we did. We was in all new hacker house since the first in Miami in, in the spring. The Here Wallet is a mobile wallet for new protocol, focus on super simple experience for web user. So our goal is that when you give your wallet to your grandma, you can install application, you can try to stake something, you can swap the cryptocurrency without understanding how it actually works. She has super simple interface, super simple interaction and way how to use crypto right here. And the here wallet, the name was because when we started to ask the people how to play it, our previous project was a game, was a new product. And we get the people, we ask them to play. We really wanted to say, please click here and click here to set up your wallet, to set up your infrastructure, to use the new ecosystem. It was really hard for them. And so we did a wallet where you can do it in one click and anyone can use new ecosystem super simple with your wallet. I did suspect that the name had something to do with location, although I thought it maybe was something more like, where the fuck is my money? Here. <laughs> It's safe, it's simple, it's secure, it's here. But anyway, if you're looking for someone for your marketing team, I'm always 
<laughs> I'm always available. <laughs> That's a nice story. Although you may have avoided the real question. You win every hackathon. So maybe let's have a, what did you do for each one of the hackathons? And then tell us how much did you bribe the judges? Not kidding. We all a team from Hero Wallet was from my previous experience in hackathon. And listen, I meet all my co-founders in the hackathon. And it was our one when we were the students. And this is one of the experience, which are really great. So you have, you have to create the full features in the really short period of time. And it should be work like MVP and the, solve the problem. And uh, we find the really good experience for us with new hacker house. Just it's really way when you can don't, don't be care about the legacy. You can be in free fly and imagine something great features for the ecosystem and try to implement it super fast. And this experience gives like energy for our team. So we work daily, daily and the hackathon is a way when you can stop the working on the wallet, get the whitelist, create the brainstorm, create the new features. And we really like this experience and I'm happy that we can do it on the new hackathons. It's really funny that we know of them because sometimes I think that it's because we have experienced another hackathon and uh, we have really deep integration with Neil because we know a lot about the smart contract structure, about the features and the ecosystem in general, and we can implement our experience to the hackathons. But each hackathon, we create the new features from zero to 10. And this is independent use cases in independent technology. We publish it all in open source. And then we implement most of them into the wallet. Cause sometimes it's really a great idea. Not every time, like we didn't implement the BTC breach from Austin, but in general we did. And I'm happy that we can give so much impact for users and for ecosystem with these hackathons. Nice. I'm sure that we'll get into some of the specific of the features as we dive into the Here Wallet more specifically. I do have a passion for user experience and I've been a Here Wallet user since the very beginning. But before that, I'm really curious, have you found that there's any differences between the hackathon that you participated in, that you met your team in Eastern Europe and some of the hackathons that you've experienced in the US? It could be the organization of the hackathon, the people that participate, anything really. Yeah, yeah it's a really different experience. In Eastern Europe, hackathon is like full-time competitors. So people come there, they are much more technical people there and they work all night. They rotate the people who sleep and who work and they do really a lot of stuff. They're crazy. They're really hungry to create the features. And you look at them and you are scared about how, how perseverance are these guys. In the United States, it's more about the chill hackathon. People come there to get some nice food. We get some nice company, nice vibe to network. And uh, for us and for our team, we continue work all night. We work in the Eastern Europe mode. And for United States, it's not usual to have to work too much on Hekadon. And the project Or at is, all. Yeah. I think I know what you mean because when I saw you at the New York Hacker House, I was scared. Not kidding. <laughs> no, but I did have a suspicion that there may have been a difference in hackathons being treated more seriously or it being more competitive, more ambitious in other parts of the world. Maybe they're like real pathway towards unlocking new opportunities, even beyond the prize money, although you can make good money with prizes. In the US, they are fun. And there's an umbrella for everything. I love the Neuro Hacker House, mostly because I wasn't hacking. I ate the insane food that we had available. And I'm pretty sure that the night that I went out, you were there and you were not coding. But anyway, I'm not going to 
drag you into the mud there. But yeah, it's an interesting reflection because if we do want to create applications and products, we've got to strike a balance, right? It has to be fun for people to come, but then we want people to really push the envelope. And yeah, for anyone wondering and thinking that you bribed the judges at all the hackathons that you won, no, motherfuckers, they just work really hard. You can do it too. Yeah, that's my message. I'm inspirational today. Yeah, maybe in the future, I'll use a little bit more team who work hard to change. But now you're totally right about the United States experience. And for us, it's unusual. And we are scared to find other people from within Europe on the next hackathons. And there's... Oh, that's good. That's good. So work like an Eastern European, but don't let your Eastern Europeans know that we're having hackathons here or they'll come and win, correct? Very cheeky. Very cheeky. Probably, yes. Well, that brings me to probably like my next series of questions. I'm really curious to know like your origin. Did you go to the same prolific high school where Ilya and Shevchenko go to? Like, how was your upbringing? When did you arrive in the U.S.? Yeah, I was studying in the math little math school before. Then I was studying in Moy University. It was in St. Petersburg, its second city in Russia by a computer science degree. Then I started work in AI companies, and then we launched our first startup in Russia. It was a forward vision. It was a Zoom with AI, so you can recognize the exercises. When people do work out, we recognize it as a Zoom plugin. And we can set mark after monthly for university. So you can get online classes, send the link to your children. They will do some exercise and they will receive marks after monthly. It was about is, pretty big startup in Russia. That is almost as cool as it is creepy. I love it. There was a few problems with scaling because actually the university, I'm not super happy to use any extra solve. They're super conservative and they have already the teacher who have to do this work. And there was a lot of problems there, but doesn't matter. So then I come in the U.S. about one year ago and six months ago, I started learning about the new ecosystem. My friends offered me to create the game on the new protocol. And I was really excited how many possibilities are there, how fast it is, how easy it's to make it. My previous experience with Rust was in university. So I knew it wasn't deep in crypto before, but Actually, it's really a lot of from the web to programming there. So even with smart contracts, it's a lot of from the low level programming experience, which we had in university and we start exploring it. And then we find the problem with the wallets, the problem with onboarding web to people, the problem in general, when you ask the people to use the project and we find that with that we, it's, it's a good problem and we know how to solve it. One of my previous job was in startup when we do the FinTech apps to manage your personal, personal perships, like how many did you spend for your food, for your rent, for your travel. And we did a lot AI of AI Zoom app. It was a Oops Finance. And we explore a lot of features, how to invite new web to users in finance apps, how to mention them inside the application and do the same. And I think we know how to build the wallet, which will be possible and understandable for web to users. And we started did it. So we started this nice. in the spring nice. and for the last seven months, we're working on it. So it's actually awesome. I didn't know that you have only been in the near ecosystem for six months. It's very impressive, which means that either you are very smart or the near tooling and just code base in general is very approachable and perhaps more people could get started. I think it's because we're working on it super a lot. We work seven days per week and we work about 12 hours per day. So actually, if we look at the 
usual work mode, it will be like one year and six months in total of hours, which we spend for it. So probably it's not just six months. It's really intense six months for, for explorers. So it's six months in dog years. Yeah. <laughs> You're working like a dog, it's dog years. That's good. I like it. Do you think that it would be required for everyone to work that hard or could they still, I guess I said, I was trying to assess whether you're really smart or the near tooling is really easy and you gave me an answer in the middle. <laughs> because I, I, I've spoken with a lot of people that they've done hackathons in multiple blockchains and perhaps the best comparison would be Solana and Nier. And what is consistent about what they always come back with is that the near tooling is just a lot easier, it, it, even though they're both Rust. It's just a lot easier to get started. I know that since then, there's been a lot of developments, like you've done a bunch of stuff. And I know that you guys have also contributed core source. There's a Pioneer and the other one. Yeah, we did a near indexing as well with Zero MQ, sending commands. Yeah, the near indexer. And then you had the really shady tweet saying that it's five times faster than the Pagoda one. You don't have to rely on centralized things. It's really great to see the community step up and contribute to this public good. Yeah, about the the people who work in intensive and now it's a new specific type of guys. So with some of friends from the hackathons and it's okay for them to work too much because they are excited what we build and they love the vibe. Now I think, I don't believe that it will be for years at all, but for this stage of the startup, it's, I'm really happy with team, which we have about the tools, which we deploy from near. Sometimes we build something a lot for our, so we, we also work in ecosystem and we try to solve some problem as developers. Like we need the specific index here to, we don't want to use a centralized decision or we need the Python framework to work with it because almost all backends in crypto are on Python. It's the most popular language now, number one, with backend development in the crypto. And there is no one normal library to use near on Python now. It's a library are really shitty. They have a lot of bugs and it's impossible to use it in scaling production. Damn, that was a close call. You don't want to be at NearCon. I was having the best podcast with Jeff from Satori and halfway through, I don't know why I rolled my chair and the chair knocked out the cable from the console and it just went off. So I started doing all this panic signaling at the audio dude. And I'm like, you think the audio will be fine? And he's like, yeah, I think so. So now I'm presented with a very tough choice because the Neocon podcast booth recorded in 30 minute chunks yeah so i've got the first 30 minutes and the last 30 minutes but the middle bit is gone and i don't i need to go back and listen to it see if it makes sense without the middle and see if i just not tell people that the middle is missing <laughs> or just tell people i just imagine it and we'll have to come back and record another day i don't know see dude people think it's easy putting on a bucket hat and talking shit but it's actually very hard production is very hard yeah. It's not only about the podcast. Correct. I'm sure that it's not as hard as what you do for Hugh Wallet. So you're the lead developer. Yeah. Lead backend and smart contract developer. And my co-founder is lead of the front-end developer. So the front-end would be like the actual graphic design of the website or? Uh, graphic design, the applications, the websites, the web wallet connect. So all about what user touch. I'm loosely familiar with the front end is, but I was referring like, is he also in charge of the actual design or you've got a separate designer as well? No, I have two co-founders. One of them is about the designs, about the marketing. It's me. And my second co-founder is Patrick. She is about the front end development tools. 
he creates a mobile application, Android now, web version. So he will lead about the front end. I'll lead the back end and in general, the process, the, the vision and the need working with interface, with user experience, how to make the flow super understandable for users, do some user tests with that one. Nice. Oh, I want to dig deeper into all of that because I'm sure that the backend is beautiful as well. But one thing that I really wanted to mention is that I went to the website today. It has improved a lot. It has definitely evolved since I first started using the Hero Wallet. And in my humble opinion, it is so well designed. The colors really jump out to you. I'll try describing it for the audience. The colors are bright, but it has like very simple, but very well thought out features. It's got a very simple description, explore web three with the handy features of web two financial apps. Love it. You know exactly what you're getting right next to it. What would normally be a call to action at a traditional website is a QR code and presumably the QR code you download wallet. So. It's like one of the core features of the wallet already embedded in the call to action, which I think is brilliant. The next thing is you start scrolling, it's probably the sexiest and the hottest and the most unique feature, which is transfers by phone number. Super simple, an image, three dot points, call to action, try it out. Then you've got a few more features. And down the bottom is the one where I really want to double click with you. Because it says Web 2 in like boring, dark, and then next to it, Web 3 in a really nice gradient. And it compares the Here wallet with Venmo. Peter, sir, please give us some alpha as to the vision for the Here wallet and how or why you think it can be compared with Venmo. It's a, yeah, it's a really good point. So we choose the Venmo because the Venmo is also application where people store part of the finance to use it super fast to call some finance, send it to France, check a France activity, buy some sample crypto, like you can buy Bitcoin in Venmo as well. And actually the Hue wallet, one of our vision is to make the same service sample in Web3 to send you money and to use it in your hands. And Venmo is actually really shitty in the United States. So it's long, their commission. To instant withdrawal, they are really old school design. It's not work worldwide. And uh, you, if, if you want all the processes, uh, really from the, it's 10 year old app and they don't do a lot of update and the commission, the delay, the UX is, it is not really good. What we can do the web three services as well as Venmo. So you can store your money in stable coins. You can send it worldwide instantly. You can send it by phone number. You can request your friend's money. You can check their purchase. You can enjoy about seeing your like finance social app and then build on the one of the super fastest and savage blockchain in the world on new protocol. And as you can see, the here wallet already now is better than Venmo in all points. There's only one thing which we have to solve. It's bridge to fiat now. Because if you want to exchange your money to your bank account, it still takes some long process and it's not smooth, but we close to solve it as well. And now we are working on the fun, great features, which really allow you to withdraw money and send it to Fiat from the near for one second. One second. One click, one click, and you will send your near into your credit cards. That is very impressive. I really like it. I've never used Venmo, although I have some experience with Zelle. Zelle, Z-E-L-E. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zelle. Your face says so much. <laughs> 
Is it even worse than Myanmar? I use Zelle and uh, yeah, I use Zelle and Zelle experiences even worse than Myanmar. So it's a really bad interface. It don't support for some banks. Like my friends had TD Bank, as I remember, and it's don't support with Zelle. And he said, okay, no way to send it. Download when I've always found that the U.S. is actually lagging behind pretty significantly in the financial sector. Compared with Australia or the U.K., where fintech is booming and we have all these digital banks, we have interbank apps that are transactions that are immediate and free. And in the U.S., you need that layer on top, Zelle or Venmo. Probably the cousin of some congressman. They've got a monopoly chopped out everywhere. That creates a lot of opportunity for financial innovation in the U.S. And if you were to focus on the U.S. market, it seems to me like you have to do it in Web3 because the traditional sector is so heavily regulated. It's not really to protect the user because they fuck it up anyway every few years, but it's there to protect the existing businesses. So if you really want to innovate, it has to be Web3. But where I think it gets really interesting, and maybe you can speak more to it, is even though there's a massive opportunity in the U.S. that we just described, the real opportunity is actually in the rest of the world where they don't even have a functioning financial sector to protect from a mafia. It seems to me like whichever way you look at it, improving on the developed world or banking the developing world, it's just a massive market. If you take the approach that it's not just a crypto wallet, which would be compared with a MetaMask where you transfer tokens and NFTs, well, you need to have that like bigger View. Sorry, you're right about the global market as well and the banking systems there in a lot, a lot of countries around the United States. There are problems with banking and sample frontier as well. It was on our, our vision in the future. We have to solve the problem with sample withdrawing deposit money in the wallet. And for example, we had a really good withdrawal in India before the new year. When the largest Santa token, more than 4,000 people in India download the Hue wallet and try to feature resetting money by phone number. They, when we talk with users in Vietnam, in Argentina, in India, in Eastern Europe, the problem with finance is much more in the United States. In the United States, people say that we have a credit card and we use it everywhere because we have a good cashback. And we actually explore to cryptocurrency just to experiment. But we have a lot of services in Web2 and we are fine with it. But when we talk with users in Indonesia, in Vietnam, they have really shitty services there. And they have problem to buy stable coin as well. So the local currency are, have really high inflation in Turkey, in Eastern Europe, in Argentina, in some countries, it's more than 50% per year. So if you hold your local currency, you lose about 1% per week. And it's really, sometimes the cryptocurrency is not so volatile as your local currency. We look at this, our main problem right now with these markets is a really difficult way to buy cryptocurrency and withdraw cryptocurrency to fear there. So if people buy near in, in India, for example, they ask us what we can do with it. And we have no answer. Because, of course, you can buy an NFT, you can use a liquid staking protocol, but you can't buy, you can't buy your food for me. Send it, you don't need to put it, send it all to my wallet. I'll manage it for you. Yes, no, I'm joking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one, one of, we, we say you can send this money to your friends. It's okay, yeah. But it's not fully trusted to them services if you can't withdraw money. A lot of people don't understand the crypto concept and they don't know anything about the near. And what they know that it is application where I can send money, but I can't withdraw it. Yeah, you write about the local, about the other markets around the um, United States. And we see the high potential of the market there with, uh, with the same services. 
but we have to solve a few problems before it to explore, to, to extend services to these markets today. That's what was really bullish on USN. I wasn't focused so much on the technical aspect of it, which apparently didn't work out. <laughs> I was mostly focused on that potential market. And specifically, my reasoning was simple. I was like, look, just in Ukraine and Argentina, you have 20, 30, 40 million users. The pain point there is enough to be able to onboard people. Now talking with you, I realized that even though it would have been great to have a near native coin, any stable coin can probably do that layer. But what still needs to be built is the actual application layer. Do you use, obviously here, wallet is trying to position itself in that a user, my mom goes to the groceries to buy stuff. Do you see any other wallets in crypto trying to go for that market? And if not, why that might that be? Yeah, we see the market could try to sell a cryptocom. They create the credit card to you, to you can easily use your cryptocurrency. We don't know any wallets who focus on the, like your peer-to-peer -peer connection today. So there are some wallets who try to solve the problems that you have cryptocurrency and you want to use it in the real world. Like it's somewhat Binance do with Binance card, but it's still difficult to peer to peer send it. And the second problem with all crypto wallets now, that if you want to send money to your friends, you have to onboard him. If you want to use your cryptocurrency on the street market or send it to your friends, you have to onboard your friend to cryptocurrency. And it's our niche and this is a big problem now. We ask users why they don't send the money in cryptocurrency to their family. And they, what well, they ask us, my family don't use the cryptocurrency. They don't know anything about it. And it's too hard for me to onboard them. And probably for you, it's the same problem. So you want to, you would be able to send the money to your mother, but what you have to do, you have to install wallet to, to see, understand how it works, help to connect the, and it's difficult for you. In here wallet, it will be, we will solve this problem. And it's why people will be ready to send money in here wallet to any web two users. So you don't need that your friends had wallet before to send them. And it's fix the problem with unboarded people. And it will be make so easy to send you money as in Vienna. You put your phone number, you click send, it's done. So other wallet do some part of the same problem and they try to solve their some Apollo project, their CryptoCom, their BitPay. They are Binance cards who try to solve some kind of this problem, but they don't solve their always and port people into Web3 super simple. Technically, any new user is onboarded. That's just the action of joining. But I think that if we dig deeper, you're hinting at the onboarding that is just not scalable, which is very hands-on. It's unless you have assistance and you watch YouTube tutorials, and you really go through a lot of pain, you're not going to be able to do it. And the onboarding that you want is automated, simple, cheap. You don't have to worry about the other person yeah. not achieving their goal. The system itself or the application itself takes them there. Yeah, it is. We don't ask them to copy Citrus and we will not ask the Citrus in the future. In the next build, the, your main QS will be USDC. So you don't buy the new and you don't think why tomorrow my, my price is five times less than today. You have to fix balance. You create the wallet at one click. You send money by phone number. You see your contact list. You don't use the hash addresses inside. You see your friends list inside. 
So you can withdraw money super simple to your bank account and deposit it. And you actually don't worry about that on the background. It's new protocol there. And uh, in Crypto.com or other apps, you have to buy Bitcoin to use it, to deposit your cards. You have to create a account called Bitfresh. You, it's, you have to use separate services to deposit it sometimes, like you have to use peer-to-peer Binance or something like that. So it's complex ecosystem, which people have to be onboarded. How to buy, how to sell, how to use, with KYC, how to launch card, how to send to my friends. It's not something which you can talk about five words in one sentence, like download the wallet. It's a complex problem for people now to explore the cryptos. And even with the service providers that you've mentioned, that they're like making a lot of inroads in onboarding people, say they're buying a card in Argentina. Even then, you can always find uh, groups of people that are excluded. I'm in Colombia now. And the trend that you notice in my time is people launch in Mexico and Argentina, maybe Brazil, like they go for the big markets. Dude, my sister lives in Costa Rica. Good luck. Like I tried onboarding her to Wirex, which is the travel cards. I'm using it. They're out of Singapore. I was able to get in because I live in Australia. They have the most basic offering for someone in Costa Rica. So you can see how there's almost like a negative flywheel where the smaller the country, the smaller the economy, it may just not be worth it for a company to offer the services there. So the need for a cheap and accessible decentralized solution actually increases. I guess it takes us to the blockchain. The promise of the blockchain has been around for a long time. We've heard all sorts of things in science fiction and, and fantasy and erotica and who knows what other fields are out there. The real question is, why hasn't it happened yet? What is different or unique about Nier? Or is there something different or unique about Nier from a technical perspective? Yeah, it's a good question. I think one of the reasons about the Warwicks, it's a good services to, to buy some currency and use it in card. How you can know about the Warwicks, you know, you can open the website, you already have the problem. Okay, I have to find some services to super sample transfer. You have to open site text, how I can make transfer in crypto, sample transfer and have a credit card. You don't think about the cryptocurrency. You try to find the solution for your problem. And you see the top services. So they evaluate Wirex, something else. And then you can, okay, I find the Wirex, I download it and try to explore it. But what, which user do it? It's really adventure users who can understand the problem, who understand that, okay, I pay a lot of commission now. Or it's difficult to me now to create the USD bank. How Venmo grow? Your friends say, download Venmo. I will pay you here. And you have really warm introduction. So you hear from your friends, from your bubble about the services. And even if you are really far from the big tech, from the fintech, if your friends say you download Venmo, I will pay you here. You will do it. You, you will not go to Google and search what is the best services for peer-to-peer transfer in the United States and find the Venmo. That's what's now actually happened with other wallets. If we can make services, which will be so simple to onboarding by your social bubble as Venma do, but use crypto background, it will be possible to touch people who now don't think that they're actually ready to use the cryptocurrency. In the Web2 world, you're just trying to make money. It's a, hey, how do we get people using this dog grooming app? And we've learned in the art and the science of selling people shit they don't need, that you really have to lower the friction and the barrier of entry. There's incredible amount of information now on how to make an app usable. 
and enjoyable. People, even if they don't want it or know it, end up booking grooming for the dogs. With crypto, because of the decentralized element, it seems like no one has wanted or has been able to take ownership of the user experience because either you think that because a user is doing it because they get value, they're freeing themselves from the bank, whatever, you don't want to manage the interaction because I guess you would be assuming the role of the bank or alternatively, the blockchain doesn't allow it because it is decentralized. It just has a lot of walls that you run into. It's like, yeah, I want to make it super smooth in this one step, but you have to sign 17 things and they need to have the private seed price. There's been a lot of friction along the way. That's why I'm super interested with the combination of near introducing both a tech stack that gives the developers a lot more flexibility. And in many ways, I think that's really my focus when I try to communicate to people now, be like, hey, you almost have to unlearn everything you know about crypto and then start again from scratch. Because if your assumption is that it has to operate like Ethereum does, you may write it off because you can't create your dot grooming app on Ethereum. But you may on Near. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of the points how Near sells the technology to developers. So the Near say, okay, if you do the grooming app for dogs, build it on Near. And that's some one, one kind of the use cases for Near today. But I think that it's not what we we use Near as basic developers. So we use them as middleware to solve our problem. We have to sample tools to decentralize finance. It should be fast. It should be sample for users. It should be cheap that users don't feel it. And we think that now the near is perfect infrastructure to build the wallet. But in general, the problem is more out of cryptocurrency. The problem is with sample payments, with sample, with worldwide transactions, and the near is just middleware to solve this the best. It's maybe a good point to drop. A very powerful quote. Are you ready? Yeah. Hopefully you remember it. This is from one of your blog posts. Our goal is a world of decentralized finance where you don't need to constantly exchange cryptocurrencies into USD to use them. We are against regulation, finances, and limitation of free circulation of money. We will never ask for your personal information. It is. I like that. I like it because... And I was actually having this conversation just before someone wanting to create content for Nier. And I was explaining to him that the type of content was specifically shorts for TikTok. And he identified a gap there. And my explanation to him was, bear markets are different. Well, I don't think there was so much of a gap in TikTok for Gen Z. I think that the content that they were consuming at what they were interested in was different. And if you enter the crypto markets over the last two years, it was either wild speculation on DeFi or even wild speculation on NFTs. The North Star for decentralization and why we need the technology has been lost or has been murked. So it's really nice to see teams working on all sorts of projects. I get weird enjoyment at seeing the number of transactions in chain go up. I don't really care if it's a dot grooming app, but I do recognize that everything that I do is because of that, that North Star of decentralization. And I like to see teams that not only share those beliefs, because honestly, most people working through a bear market probably do, but also that are very straightforward with it. They communicate it out loud. This is what we do. We don't want to have your bloody dog NFTs on our wallet. It's just not our priorities. Yeah. yeah thank you. It's on the big market sometimes. It's the, from crypto cases, actually, are uh, really a lot about the speculation and it's hard to feel it. Because when you talk with your users who use the cryptocurrency as a tool before, 
who play in the games, who buy NFT, that 90% of these people buy it to earn money. It's really hard to understand if you work in ecosystem that all your users is people who speculate in the cryptocurrency and they don't feel their decentralized adventures. But at the same time, we still have really great technology. We have two use cases in the F2 world, which we can fix in finance sector as well. And it's what we actually get to do in Birmar. We can think about how cryptocurrency can solve the real problem of people. Now, people who try to speculate on it, which is real world problem today with finance sector as well. And what's, what people are ready to use to solve, solve the life, to fix it, to make it more comfortable. And it's one of the ways how we curate the creature today. And a lot of other teams do it as well. Because it's bear market, it's a really good time to think, okay, stop guys, what we do, what is the actual problem? Who is the users who use cryptocurrency? Why do they do it? And actually... 90% of them is not users, it's traders. Today's cryptocurrency, tomorrow is NFT. After this, it is stocks. Doesn't matter. Really. We will buy it to, to earn money and they don't have a real problem. And we find the groups, people, okay. We talk to them, guys in Indonesia, guys in Vietnam. What is your life? How do you use cryptocurrency? How do you use personal finance? What's your problem and how we can solve it? Okay, your problem is with onboarding. Why you don't use crypto? Because you can't introduce your mother into Web3. Why? Because she have to extension. Okay, we hear you. We can, we give you services which you can use to onboard your mother. And it's probably not about the market. These people in Indonesia don't feel, is it bear market or top market? What is Bitcoin price? They feel that has a problem with local currency today. And this problem don't change in the market. And it's what help us to continue to build because we know that it's not speculation problem. It's real life and it's what people can feel today. You know that there's a really interesting but subtle distinction. There is freedom from and freedom to. So you can be free from oppression or you can be free to whatever, dance naked on the streets. Usually one precedes the other one. And if you use that framing, you realize that there are countries where the priorities are totally different, they don't want the freedom to buy a dog NFT. They are one step before that. They need the financial freedom to protect themselves against inflation or against potential growth governments. Like there's just a whole suite of problems that it's hard to solve, which is probably why not many people are solving it. And I personally do believe that Near does have the tech stack and that the Here Wallet has the right focus on product to tackle it. Which is why I bought three here wallet early use for NFTs today. Oh my God. Is that a great segue or what? Yeah, it's a good way to, if you trust in you, you can buy NFT. If we will win, you will be rich as well. So I'm keeping one for myself. I think I'm going to use one on my here wallet because I've got a mobile account. Yeah. And I'm gifting one to the listener of this podcast. So I'm going to do something different. Normally people tweet, we have a giveaway. And then everyone responds. I'm not going to tweet anything. If you're listening to this podcast, you tweet at us asking for the NFT and I'll send it to you. I need real life proof that this got listened to as the analytics in the podcast world are horrible. See the downloads, but I, and sometimes I hear good feedback. But anyway, part of the story is if you're listening to this right now, pause, send me a message. 
the here early use for NFT is yours. And they're really good looking as well. Sounds good. Yeah. I was going to ask, why didn't you guys send me an early adopter NFT before? But that's okay. I'm not, yeah. I'm not sore about it. We, if you take it, we have the first welcome we give to users NFT. It was the people who on the 15th November hold the more than 10 near in the wallets. And then you have to open the website, nft.herewallet.com, click, get my bonus NFT, and it should be neat for you. Yeah, that is a bit technical. I didn't do that. But I did notice today, I only found this out today that there is a blog post in November encouraging people to create content about them gifting and my tweet is just an example. I tipped the bar staff here at DevCon in Bogota with a Hero Wallet. By the way, there has been an army of bots retweeting that. Do you know that? Are you behind it? There's like yeah, over yeah. 120 bots going bananas with it. Yeah, yeah. The army of bots, it's one of the main problems with cryptocurrency ever. If you do any airdrop, any NFT gift, if you want to give something for your community, there are 1,000 people who will try to scam you. And yeah, we have manual check for all our retweets. And if they were random and we see that these guys, 99% is bought, we scroll the cube again. And Wait, are you trying to tell me that not only did I not receive anything special from my amazing tweets, but that all these people were trying to use my tweet to get something out of you? That's shocking. I think it says a lot about the quality of the tweet. But anyway, we don't have to dig too deep on that. Maybe we can do this job better. Yeah. Anyway, I bought the NFTs and I was going to ask you, do you have any misfits? Misfits? What do you mean? There is a very special NFT collection. It was actually the first generative one on Nier. The founders are kind of cool. They're not really into the NFT space. They were the first. It's called Nier Misfits. My collection and I'm happy to send one to you as a very special guest of the pod. Yeah, it should be great. Also, we can add some features for Hero Wallet. Show me the link and we will allow to people set up the NFT avatar using your NFT from your collection. And if you that have may or may hold your NFT, you will see the NFT avatar in Hero Wallet and send money to them. And that may or may not have been the intention all along. We will add support it. So share me the link and I think it's a great point. They are now the free of all NFT collection who are available to set up an NFT avatar and you will be one of them. How special. It's a really nice touch that goes to that user experience. Not only is it a tool for financial freedom, but it's something that can be fun to use. You can personalize it. You get to connect with people. So maybe this would be a good point to maybe dive deeper into some of the features of the Here Wallet. And you may have noticed that the name of the podcast is the Wild User Interviews. Wild because we don't really have a structure or do much of interviewing. This is more of a rambling, at least on my end. But the original idea was to basically get people that have done those kind of interviews and like open source the knowledge that have enabled them to build the applications. So yeah, I'd like to learn more about the reasoning behind the features in the Hair Wallet and even the ordering which have been rolled out, some of the insights that you've learned from the communities that you've spoken with, because it seems unique or normally when people define the roadmap, there's two ways to go about it. You look at your competition and you do something like same, same, different, or you start from a problem or it could be first principles and you like deconstruct from there. Usually it's a hypothesis. It might not work, but at least it's different. 
At the end of the day, wallet is somewhere in between. You can see it adopting best practices for existing wallets as you don't need to reinvent some things. But also, there's been several features that it's the first time that I see them. And maybe let's dive into those. You might see the charts for wallets, but in general, the problem exists. So there are a lot of web apps who try to solve it. In the different countries, they're local in a lot of countries. They're in the Europe as well. Some applications how people solve it right now, but these apps don't look at the cryptocurrency and the apps with cryptocurrency don't look on the peer-to-peer market a lot. So I think on this niche, we can create a great solution and to solve the real problem today. So are you looking at integrating with a third party for that fiat to crypto bridge or? Yeah, we will do integration with Mercurio probably to solve their fiat crypto bridge. It's Which one? Mercurio. They allow you to create the virtual bank accounts for users and use it to withdraw money from cryptocurrency into this bank account in British and some kind of the great features which can solve you to sample money ramp on ramp in the app today. Oh, wow. That is super wild. So you're actually going one level up on the tech stack. So here wallet would be technically providing the bank account our part, for Mercurial. Our partner will technically provide you a bank account where you can swap your cryptocurrency to fiat on your bank account and send it from your bank account to your other bank account in your country. That is super wild. And which jurisdiction is this bank account in? It's uh, United Kings, British. Nice. Yeah, it is. There are some regional restrictions now, so it's only about the euro for the couple country in Asia. But they explore it to region as well. And the next few months, uh, it should be more global. Dude, if you can do that in Argentina, I've got like 40 million users for you. And Venezuela, there's just a lot of demand. I guess I get excited really quickly with small, small milestones. So I keep getting consistently impressed. But just a feature to be able to send crypto to people with a mobile phone, I thought this is it. This is mass adoption. Because when you think of the flow, people don't need a wallet to receive the funds. And then what better incentive to get the wallet than to collect your funds. And then you create your own custom wallet for free. So now you have buy-in. Now you have skin in the game. Now it's peter.near. Like you can't walk away from that. Not as easily. At least you'll remember that it's there. And once you have network effects, if me and all my friends have the wallet, even the need to off-ramp or on-ramp is less because the more people that live on chain, the less you have to go in and out. I thought that was pretty cool. And now that you guys are going into the on-ramp and off-ramp as well, that's even cooler. Thank you. We are working on it. You will be one of the first person who will know about the updates when we launch it to better test it. And I hope you will try it and share your experience. What we can do is I'll get the bank account and you guys send me a hundred thousand dollars <laughs> and I try withdrawing and see what happens. We'll see. But uh, one, one hundred dollars sounds more realistic. I'll take whatever I can get. That's good. No, I really like it. And so you mentioned Mercurial for the integration partner for the on-ramp, off-ramp. Maybe if we work our way backwards, I guess. I know that for the send crypto to anyone using their mobile phone number. When I first started using the app, it used normal text messages. And now I did it a couple of weeks ago at a meetup that I held here in Colombia. It went through WhatsApp. So it'd be really cool to understand as well, not just the integration partners, but I'm always fascinated by hybrid apps. I think that a lot of people 
may fall into the trap of thinking that either your app is Web2 or it's fully Web3. If you can actually submerge the best of two worlds, like to some extent, you can create some really powerful opportunities. So yeah, if you can give us a really quick glimpse or go as technical as you want, I'm sure there are some devs listening to this. You're right. And also in my opinion, it's important for Web3, we don't need to do the backend of Web3. It should be slow, it should be a bad experience. We have to do the part of the finance, which we have to protect. So if you send money by phone number, we have to do smart contract to do it. If you hold money, it should be held on your cold wallet and you have to control it using your C-trace. But if you need to send a message or send push notification or send a link into the social media, we can use some centralization decisions there because we will give much more bad experience and it will affect security a lot. So we have to find the balance and the, we actually need the cryptocurrency for the low level of money. So your money storage on your blockchain, it's not the FTX account, it's not Binance account, it's your local storage, but you can use some services, decentralization, for example, to put the money super fast and send it, to put the money, swap it and come back. But mainly you fully control money from your wallet. So in this instance, I send you money using your mobile phone or whatever to someone that doesn't have a wallet yet. The money is always on chain. Yeah. It is stored safely on yeah. that wallet. No, no one has access to it. The thing that gets sent on the physical world would be the notification to go and retrieve it. Yeah. There's yeah, no yeah. private keys. There's no nothing. You're totally right. Yeah. It's my idea. Because I tried explaining that to people here in Colombia because they just couldn't get their head around it. Like, how is my money arriving through text message? And once again, a user interview. They were really worried about sensitive information going through text message because of the local telcos and the local government. And I was trying to explain to them, like, this is all on the blockchain. You're just getting the notification to go and retrieve it. And it, it's a bit of a mind fuck yeah, when you, people first start actually, engaging with these concepts. Not just about Colombia. For example, in India, we have the problem that some of the message was banned. So we sent the message with a link and the provider banned it as spam. And final user, I'm scared. I sent money to my friend, but my friend didn't receive message. So it's, uh, we are working on, on solving this problem. In the early February, we will launch the service when you can send money from Telegram and WhatsApp as well. And in Signal. So you can click the, select the messenger and your friend will receive it is inside the app. The government can control the Telegram, can control the WhatsApp. And it's more security. Also, you will be able to copy link and send it by your side. So you can copy link and send it in your any security message which you trust. You can leave it, put it in QR code and just show your QR code to your friends who sit right there. You can say, okay, scan it. He will scan it and immediately create the app and get money. One second experience. So, so I scan it, I get the money. And it's, yeah, it's That is amazing. But experience and feeling more security. I like it because I imagine that you guys probably got a whiteboard and you started mapping out all the possible scenarios and interactions. What happens if the text message doesn't get there? And yeah, I really like the feature, even if I could have a historical list of the money that I've sent by phone and a link to retrieve, or even the status, has it been retrieved? I think it would be similar to near names if you played around with it. So near names back in the day for people listening enabled you to reserve a near account for people and even preload it. It generates a link that people then use to retrieve. Yeah. 
So for instance, last December, I was literally walking around with my laptop, getting people to reserve their name, putting in a bit of an ear there and sending it by email so that they could retrieve the seed phrase when it was safe for them to do. So what was really cool is that when I logged into near names with the wallet that paid and generated the accounts, I could see a list of all the words that have been generated, which ones have been claimed, and I could get the link again. So hypothetically, had they lost the link, they haven't lost the account. So something like that would be super cool. I guess. So I'm excited. Colin will finish to build it. Now they're going to launch Android and then there'll be a lot of new features for your wallet users. That is amazing. We've mentioned some of the things that you've built for the public goods. There is the indexer and there is Pioneer. Can you give us a really quick overview of what an indexer is, like the lake indexer? And specifically, I look at it from the point of view of managing data on the blockchain. It's not something that blockchains have historically done. Like I, I may be speaking out of turn here, but I think that Ethereum, because of some of its limitations, it doesn't really deal with much data. It's just too expensive. So it'd be really interesting to understand not only how it works, but what may be some of the use cases of people on near looking to either have applications that are heavy on capturing data and hopefully creating a data commons so then other people can plug into. And in general, when would an application look at using an indexer? And then I think we touched briefly, but we can cover again, what are the benefits of the indexer you have created over the official Pagoda one? Yeah, of course. The indexer if you launch, it's the indexer which helps you to send, it's a RPC node which proxy all events from the blockchain by zero queue to any of your local script. What Pagoda do? They own indexer and they publish the events to Amazon. And you can create this, the sample client and uh, list an events from the Amazon query. In uh, here, the MQ indexer, you can launch your non-local and receive the event in the same format as Pagoda. So you don't need to change uh, the indexer or you don't need to read the data from the database. You receive each transaction as a JSON data in uh, locally on your server, on your computer, and you don't use centralized decision. There are two the big advantages. The first one is the delays. If you have the local node launched on your server, the delays about 0.1 seconds. If you use Pagoda like Indexer, delays about three or four seconds between block confirm and delivery into your server. In a lot of use cases, it's a big problem. The second one is the centralization. Pagoda, if they will be far or if they will be hacked or something same, they started to send the events with the incorrect data into induction. And all who use Pagoda will be attacked because you receive the data that Bob sent money to Alisa and you can't prove it. You receive this from Induxer and you, for example, you changing something in your backend. You send notification or you send money to Bob or you do something else. And it could be, it's a really sensitive place in any blockchain project if you receive data from any centralized organization, because they could be, they could happen anything. And the zero queue index you. A lot of people use cryptocurrency local, safe and fast and super, super simple. I'm wondering if you had any conversations with Pagoda along the way, are there concerns of centralization or some of the other downsides, something that has been actively discussed among developers? What was the journey? to deciding that you were going to create your own tool to replace something that seems like core infrastructure that has already been developed by someone like Pagoda that 
I'm assuming they have more resources, more time. They probably have a deep understanding of, of the core infrastructure of NIR. I'm even wondering what may have led them to decide that AWS in that instance was safe. Perhaps they have some safe rails against the risk scenarios that you've mentioned. Yeah, the, in general, the Pagoda could do it as well. But the Pagoda is super slow. They really don't care about the centralization. They do all stuff inside. Also, they sometimes go, they kill the Astrodow and they grab the project inside. They kill the miner wallet and they grab the project inside. And it is like a mega corporation, like a Facebook, who kills the Web3 web project, who stops the fundraising, finance them, who gets the product inside the pipeline. I really don't like what these guys do for ecosystem in general. And the index, centralization index here is also the point of control. And the ecosystem need more tools to create their projects to really decentralized, to get the data from blockchain, to build the architecture of the backend, super decentralization and don't touch Pagoda ever. And it's one of the reasons which we, what we try to give for community, it's tools to make this more easy. Also, we, in here wallet, we can't, you can imagine that we use some centralized decision to provide data for our users. And we decided that, okay, we have no ways. We have to create our own events and we did it. And then we see, okay, we already did it. It's using, it's stable. We use it in our production and we can publish an open source to help to other projects to make the backend more decentralized as well. It's important. It's not marketing convention. It's important to this idea of the ecosystem, this idea of the web tree. We should stop Pagoda. We are both wearing conspiracy, what's it called, teen folly hats. If you're just listening to this, which you probably are, because I haven't published uh, YouTube videos for a while, but I probably will have to put this one up because when I turned on the video, Peter was wearing the coolest bucket hat and I happened to have on my desk the also coolest bucket hat, uh, MetaMask from DevCon Bogota. So we're both wearing bucket hats now. We may look ridiculous, but it is what it is. Look. I'm really happy that you're saying this because I've always had the perception that perhaps a negative aspect of having some really big brains in the ecosystem is that they like ownership of the products or the tooling. And because we live in a decentralized environment, it's actually led to some really weird scenarios where We've got anon teams or anon projects that are actually being built by core team members or former core team members. Very small group of people that have essentially built everything that has use. And there's been some instances where independent teams do seem to have a bit more friction or face some hostility. I've seen it around RPCs. I've seen it around even stablecoins. USN literally killed every other stablecoin project on near and then it died. Yeah. Yes. So it, it's good to hear it from you on the developer side. And it's even better to see that the team has had the capacity to not just complain on a podcast, but also pick up the tools and I guess lead by example. It's really great to have options. I'm sure that there are some people that may choose A, some that will choose B and some that will build C. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And this leads to a very interesting and spicy topic. It wasn't as spicy when I wrote it down in my notes, but it's, it's taken some twists and turns this conversation. 
So I wanted to ask in general about how the landscape for wallets on Near have shifted. I know that when you guys started, you were very small and there was maybe no reason for existing because the Near wallet was, it's got what, 99% market share. Since then, as you've mentioned, there's been a lot of changes. Really quick overview. Near wallet merges into my Near wallet. So it gets off ramped into a private company. No information provided. Company ceases to exist. Now it's going to be maintained by Pagoda. But it seems like the project has essentially reached the end. And I guess that really puts the community wallets into the spotlight. So I would really like to hear more about any gossip you have from the inside. And in particular, what is your view for wallets on near into the future, both the strategic plans for here and how you can capitalize on this new market opening, but also in general, if you know about your competitors, what they're doing right, where are the opportunities, how they may be different. Is there room for everyone? Are you going to kill everyone? What's happening in the near world? Yeah. In the wallet is, world. Yeah, you're right. And you mentioned that there was a lot of centralization in the wallets niche in near as well. And like their wallet nine is about 95% of all near holders there. And if you have a marketing from the need.org, there's click create wallet and it's open specifically one wallet. It's really monopoly. It's really bad for competitors. And when we talk with other founders of other wallet, they think that it's shitty. And probably that's one of the reasons why people don't start to deploy a lot in near. It's because in Pagoda is highly centralization. And they have monopoly on the wallet. They have monopoly in Indexer and Explorer. In a lot of nation near inside the near the in Oracles, they have monopoly. And if you want to be competitors with core developers, it's probably not a great idea. You can come to Ethereum, you can come to other networks where projects are really decentralized. And you, you don't have any links on Ethereum.org. You can't click create wallet and open something specific because they develop the protocol. They don't develop the wallet. And in the wallet niche, it's probably, but it's not the main problem because the main problem is with users and near in general and with the, in the stage of the ecosystem. I think that there will be still a future with some wallets because their wallet is really bad. They stop development. They don't connect to new apps. They iterate really slow. They sometimes they're loading for 10 seconds to show you balance and the quality of the product, not too high. Yes, to be devil's advocate, I, I did have Corwin Harold. He used to be wallet team. I don't know where he's doing now. There's been a lot of changes since. He may still be around. He was early podcast, maybe like episode four or five or six. And at the time, I was praising the new wallet. Once again, I am busily impressed. And with each new milestone, the former ones may look less impressive. But even though it was a protocol owned and developed wallet, the user experience compared to other things has always been really good. It's great that we can make it better, but overall, that's what caught me about Nier. Like the user experience was good, or at least the protocol has good primitives. Also, if you look at Ethereum, maybe the Ethereum Foundation didn't develop the same way, but you could argue that consensus is the pagoda of Ethereum. And they do have a monopoly on Infura, which is crazy because it could basically take down the whole thing. I feel like these problems are present everywhere. 
which is something that I like to remind myself as well. And I tell people when we have criticisms about funding in the near ecosystem, it is not a secret that it's been a disaster for the last year. There's been changes every three months. No one knows what's happening. But when you look at other ecosystems, it is equally dysfunctional, if not worse. So to me, what it says is, okay, you're going to pick your battles. This is a battle worth fighting. Yes, it is true. You could potentially go to other ecosystems, but you're going to find out, look, I'm going to be doing the same work and fighting the same kind of people. Where do I have the best chances of succeeding? If I do go to war and I put in the work, is it going to be worth it? So yeah, that's my little rant. Le petit rant. Yeah, you're right. That it exists. It will go there. I think it's just, but the first point, it's some protocol. It's not so critical as infrastructure. Because if you have monopoly of the wallet, you can stop development of the support new startup or the support like new features a lot and stop the development of the new system more, more critical. The second point is that the new can solve this problem now. So for Ethereum, there was a lot of historical reason why it was happened when Ethereum was really small. There was a really small crypto community. There was the Ethereum had a lot of control for Ethereum or holders at the first stages. Now the crypto community is much larger. There are a lot of developers who are ready to build something on new. And if you try to centralize your protocol, it will be stop them and can kill the developer community. And it's a mistake, in my opinion, what can do. And they see what's happened with centralization. The market now is not, is other. It's possible to create the independent project in new ecosystem. It's possible to support the independent team. And what they did is my new wallet. When they did it, I told this mighty wild team, they started to do extremely more work. They are motivated. They are competitive with other wallets. They look at what happens there, what we can solve, what our users want. They started to iterate much more faster to, to change the product that it could really solve the problem to users. And then they killed the stop finance Kikimura and they returned my new wallet into Pagoda and always stopped. So my new wallet again is the same conservative as the web wallet with no perspective. And uh, I think that new create mistakes, which he can don't do. Yes. The issue with these topics is that there is a lot of information that is not released. I, I was this close to posting something on the governance forum and because I've had my fair share of crazy shit on the forum, I chose not to bite, but I'm going to say it now because I need the ratings. When they announced that they were going to stop planning for the new wallet, my new wallet and the shifting into Pagoda, etc., I was going to make a post saying, look, I can see both sides of the argument and I don't know which one is right. And this is where things are problematic because I really don't know which position to take. On the one hand, I can understand that the new foundation from day one has a problem where people fail upwards. You fuck it up, you lose your job, they give you a few million on the way out. You get your validator, you get your project, you get your bullshit. There is a correlation right now with validators with a 100% fee and how much value they create for the ecosystem and their connection to the foundation. I've been very vocal about this. I work very closely with validators. They're all losing money right now. These people are basically funding it out of their own pocket to keep it secure. But anyway, this is all tied. The point I was getting to is there is a very real chance that Kikimori Labs and whoever was behind it, who is very close to other people, they were just piecing money against a wall. 
and the new crew at the foundation because it's been basically 100% turnover and they've been reviewing everything. And I know because we went to those reviews with the marketing DAO, maybe they said, fuck it, you already got X amount of money, you've delivered nothing. Right. And that's the end of it. So I can see that side of the argument, in which case I would support the foundation. But I can also see the other side of the argument, which is the foundation has a tendency to kill funding for everything they do not understand. So is there a chance that they just didn't understand or they didn't see the value? They're not really crypto native. They're really good operators, but they may be lacking some context. How many people at the foundation right now was there when all of these deals were signed? Like it's been 80% change in the foundation. So on that take, I would be like, you really shouldn't stop funding for the main wallet with 99% of the users, not knowing your team, not knowing the Meteor wallet, not knowing Nightly. There are some serious questions like, are these very new wallets in a position to take over 99% of the ecosystem? Because if the answer is not a resounding yes, don't cut the funding. This is an existential threat. So I could easily take both sides of the argument very passionately. And I guess what makes me the most annoyed is I don't know which side to take. Yeah, and so we mentioned it. And on my side, I see that Pagoda could make really good decisions. For example, if you think that some team is done to go to extra money or they don't develop as you want, as good as you want, you can, for example, you can put a few money for five teams and they will be competitors for the next fundraising. And you can say, okay, we will see who is the best and we will find five people, five teams who will build some wallet on their really competitors market and they will be check the features from each other. We will try to create the best experience for users, the best speed of iteration, the best way. And then they will be continue finding just two or just one. If they make one bet for the one team and they don't happy with it, I think it's not the reason that they can build it by themselves because their local team is not really good as well. In my opinion, I don't know a lot, but if I see of the final result, it, it's in my not... humble opinion. <laughs> yeah. So for example, the Meteor wallet with the web version, get much more stuff than the web wallet. And they spend, I know the teams, the, the, the Meteor wallet teams, they are really smart guys. They work really long and they do great results, spending 10 times less money than Pagoda do. And that's an example of the, okay, make, give money for, for you, for wallets like Meteor and some other one and see who gives them the best impact for ecosystem for the next three months. And then check which products do you want supported the next. For example, with AstroDAO. Do you know that they kill AstroDAO? Yeah, I was told like last night. Yeah, it's crazy. And they did it really shitty. I don't want to talk about the process, but in my opinion, the process, how they talk with AstroDAO team was really shitty. They don't think about the people, about the person, about the team who built the product. That thing that it's a, they give, okay, this project will take an hour side and they do it in the old parts of the ecosystem, not about just the wallet or the buzz, just about the DAO. They kill in general the ecosystem and they try to create the totalization decision inside Pagoda and the Pagoda developers team is really weak. And in general, I think it's a bad way. You're right that sometimes you can spend money and you don't, you can't receive as good result as you could. But their decision is like sponsor a few teams to find the best decision in the competitor's market. Don't try to create all stuff by yourself. In my opinion, it's a mistake. Yeah, it's hard. And look, I am optimistic 
in the weirdest of ways. Because I do feel like this conversation that we're having, even though not many people discuss openly, everyone knows it. And if everyone knows it, the people within Nier and Pagoda also know it. The early signs that we're trying to find ways to course correct, even if we do hit and bump into a few walls along the way, is that there is a whole, as a whole infrastructure popping up to take funding away from the Nier Foundation to take. I almost have another heart attack. I ran out of battery that I just manically checked and it's been saved. So that's good. I was just saying in this very passionate rant, that there's a few initiatives one to take funding away from the foundation and one to decentralize the development of the protocol on the foundation side would be the NDC. And then on the developer one, which I think it's a more, more relevant one to this conversation is all the developer working groups. I'm assuming you're in the wallet one. And uh, it's interesting to me because this is being led by a Banyan collective, which I think is now creating a really interesting sort of like counterforce or balance of power between the foundation, Pagoda, regional community. I really hope we have more of these players pop up. And in theory, the working groups for developers or the DeFi, DAO, et cetera, are going to build up a developer DAO. So the community would actually manage its funding. And I'd like to think, if things go as planned, that it would be possible to have much more fair or at least open decision-making. I know how challenging DAO is going to be. I do see in the marketing DAO, but I'd like to think that it's a step in the right direction. At least it gives me a lot more hope than things being stagnant. If we saw the shady shit going on, like USN and stuff, but nothing was changing, I'd be pretty depressed probably. But at least I see an awareness that some things are not working out. There are some changes being implemented. Whether the right changes or not, you can probably discuss that as well. Open for debate. But I do think that at least they're trying to improve on it. Have you had much interaction with the wallet working groups? Do you know about the developer, DAO? Yeah, yeah, I know. I know about that. And also I did review for some, for some net as well. So yeah, it was with it. Now I don't think that there was some really fundamental updates in the wallet builders group. And in my opinion, they're almost all developers. They are really not active today, but I see that maybe they will organize it better and it will be more good. I think that DAO developers, it's a really great idea in general for practical. And it's for funding, for new consensus, for new standards. It's important and it's how they should go. So we'll see. Sir, are you going to eat Denver? The Ethereum conference in Denver? Oh, Ethereum conference. Like, I'm going to guess in February. You know what you should do? You should apply for the Supermoon house. Supermoon camp. It's going to have a near house. Okay. Can you share the link? So I will. I yeah, of course. So it's going to be eight day. I'm going to shield it and the podcast is going to go up probably after applications close. Sorry, everyone. FOMO, JOMO. So it's going to be eight days. They're getting a house exclusively for near founders and builders. You got to apply and if you get selected, free accommodation, the foundation is funding it. And the aim is basically to strengthen the networks between the people doing really cool, great stuff on near. And yeah, hopefully accelerate. The pace of innovation. I was able to stay at their hacker house in Lisbon during NearCon, and it was great. 
I've made some great friends. There's been a lot of introductions and connections that have come out of it. So I think you would be a great candidate. You're a founder. You've got technical chops. You're fun. Sounds good. I, I, I would be glad to try it. I, let me just check. I had a couple of spicy questions here for you. Is there anything else you want to add on the Pagoda round? I don't think so. It's all about my general opinion. And uh, I guess they will changing something in the future. They will give more feedback from developers, from from new team, and they will change something. We'll see. Nice. We are over an hour and a half, Tim. So maybe we'll just do a really quick fire round. First, one personal request. I'm wondering, is it possible? to sign into the here wallet with more than one account at a time. So you basically switch between them like you can do on the new wallet now. It's available now in test flight. So it will be a really soon feature. This feature will be really awesome. soon. Yeah, because I was just thinking of maybe have to log in and out. Yeah, we got this feedback as well. So uh, it's fine of the things which we fix on the January. Awesome. Second one, sir, you know that you get active all the time when Android. And then right. So the best answer. There you go. On the record. You voted here first. Really soon. The, my spoiler is that it will be on the next three weeks. Really soon. We're working on it really hard and Android is closed. It's why last month there was not a lot of features because all our developers team was focused on Android to launch it as soon as possible. Oh, that's some big alpha. I'm sure that you got this from your user interviews, especially in developing countries, but I've experienced it here firsthand in Colombia. During that meetup, I was only able to send near, I think, to four or five people because most users in this region are Android. So it was great for me because I put the near out of my own pocket, but in terms of taking steps towards that math adoption, Android would be huge. Next, are there any features or development that you're really excited about? Yeah, I have one, one this, one this feature. Now we are working on the Binance Connect and soon you will be able to connect your Binance account and deposit withdraw your near into fiat into other cryptocurrencies super fast. And you will be able to send your near to any Bitcoin address or Ethereum address or anyone. And it will be automatically converted with Binance and send it into final receiver into his cold wallet as withdrawal fee. We are working on it now, or Binance had a lot of restrictions to partners, but when we will solve it, it will be really incredible experience. So have a near on your cold wallet and you can ask your friends with his biggest day card and you can send it with really small commission. Put it on Binance, swap it immediately and send it to BUSD and you will be available to use your near in many VFT world via Binance Connect. So we are excited about it and I hope we'll close all paperwork and we'll do this integration soon. And it's huge. I'm just impressed that you waited till now to mention that. I was already blown away by the Mercurial integration with the bank account, but the Binance one seems pretty cool. I think I would definitely be a user because I'm consistently sending money to my parents and just cashing out. I've got to leave. I've got a paper flight somehow. Would you require KYC? Binance will. So yes, if you want, it's only some like features. If you want to unlock these transfers or you unlock instance withdrawal, you unlock, you unlock bank account, we will be asking us in Mercurio. It will be independent widget. 
we don't ask you to use your cryptocurrency inside, or if you want to smart contract or something else. But the banking services is required. We we can't stop it, and uh, but it will be on user side. If you want to unlock new feature, please pass KYC. If you don't need it, you still can use your money anonymous. We don't know anything about all. Use it, send it, enjoy your decentralized economy. That makes sense. It's not making it it's required by regulation. Awesome. Are there any other things in your ecosystem, any project, app, event, anything that you're excited about? you're looking forward to? They have you, so I'm excited that what you and in the NFT market and which protocols they do. I'm excited about the Apollo as well, because they do really nice design and experience for 5C right now. I'm like what the Meteor Wallet team do in their wallet niche. They trade really fast and I know the team, they're really smart and I think that they will be killed the wallet in the web version of application. I will look a lot out for them. So in general, I'm excited about the Mercurial or what they do with the banking services for crypto apps. And I'm really happy that we will be one of the first wallet who will explore it. It is amazing. Sir Peter, this has been an amazing call. There were a ton of things that I wrote down and we didn't get to talk about. We were probably boring anyway. If you're interested, I'll leave it all in the show notes below, you know. Your wallet has received grants from the New York Foundation, investment from Near Big Brain, partnered with Tonic Dex to give you feed pre swap. They really are kicking goal in every possible angle that is a weird analogy. I really appreciate you taking the time and yeah, having the wild conversation. I think we, we really lived up to the title of the podcast. What do you reckon? Yeah, I do a lot for your podcast. The questions was really deep and you had a lot of homework. It's not my first podcast, but I think it's one of the most interesting. Thank you for your questions. Thank you. And I'll see you at Eve Denver. Yeah, see you in Denver as well. Definitely. That's the end of another episode. As always, I just want to thank you for listening because let's be honest, you are amazing. And I also want to remind everyone that everything contained on this episode is for entertainment and educational purposes only. Nothing on this podcast shall be construed as financial, medical, or any other type of advice. And you should always consult with licensed professionals before making any financial decisions. Make sure that you like and subscribe so that you stay up to date with the latest episode. We've got a steamy hot pipeline of guests that will keep you entertained right through the bear market. Stay safe out there, and I'll see you soon. Bye.